Well, good morning. This is Pastor Trey, and you have uh, tuned into the Powerview Christian Church Sunday morning podcast. Uh, normally, I do these things during the week, but uh, we've been having a busy week this week here in Central Oregon in Powell Butte. Uh, we had our drive-through uh, living nativity and last night, and so it's been it's been fun. It's been very busy, and so hopefully, I'll be able to sneak uh, kind of a shortened version of our sermon uh, in today on this podcast. You know, we've been going through all the things that we need this Christmas, and uh, we've been talking about uh, simplifying and, and uh, slowing down and serving other people. Today, I think I want to finish this up by talking about something that's incredibly important if we're going to be followers of Jesus. Because, see, Jesus was called, one of his messianic titles was the Prince of Peace. And, and in order for us to get what we need this Christmas, and hopefully by, by next year, I, I'm hoping that this becomes what you want as well, that you want to simplify, that you want to slow down, that you want to serve people. But this, one of the, these things, the, the last thing that we want to talk about, seeking peace. I mean, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, he was called, the messianic title, he was called the Prince of Peace. And so if we want to get all we need this Christmas, we need to be people who seek peace because this above all identifies us with the Prince of Peace that had been born there in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. I'm always saddened when I hear that Christmas is not a joyous time for people um, simply because of strained relationships. Um, they, they've had fights with their siblings or you know, there's a strained relationship between parents and kids or um, spouses or between ex-spouses. And, and that's not what the message was that the angels brought to the shepherds. The, the message that the angels brought to the shepherds was peace on earth, goodwill to men, right? Peace on earth. So here's a question. If Jesus came to bring peace on earth, then why haven't we experienced that in the last 2,000 years in this world? If we were supposed to have peace with our spouses and our children and our parents and our coworkers, then why aren't we experiencing it? James 4 tells us, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires to battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and you covet, but you can't have what you want. So you quarrel and fight, and you don't have because you don't ask God. What James is saying is there's war begins, battles, conflicts begin when I don't get my way, and I'm not about to let you get your way. And neither one of us budge, so we fight. We fight. There's a great story back in the 1840s where the British had occupied New Zealand. And uh, they had planted a, a garrison and, and uh, uh, right there in a little town called Cocorarica. And uh, it was kind of a seedy little backwater town, brothels and bars and gambling dens, unruly people, right? Uh, they, they put a garrison there and they planted their flagpole because, you know, who doesn't like the British flag, right? Well, apparently, one of the chieftains of the Maori tribes, a guy named Ho- Honeheke, he did not like that British flag. He had ridden into town and saw the flag and realized that that was a symbol of the oppression, of the occupation. And so he says, listen, if I can get rid of the flag, maybe I'll get rid of the occupiers. So he chops down the flagpole. Now, what, was, what followed was this uh, amazing display of, of really idiocy, if you, if you will, because the British instantly put up a new flagpole and almost as immediately Honeheke chopped it down. So the British replaced the flag a third time only to have it chopped down again. So they erected it a fourth time and this time they reinforced the pole with iron and they guarded it by soldiers. 
Now, meanwhile, back in England, the House of Commons had uh, written a very nasty, very strongly worded um, condemnation of Honeheke's actions. And they sent him this message saying, don't do this again or else there will be consequences. Well, it didn't impress Honeheke at all. And so he uh, grabbed his entire tribe. They came down to Kokorarika and they slaughtered everybody that lived there. And to add insult, <laughs> they chopped down the flagpole again. For 10 months, a war raged between the tribes and the British. And, and though the British would still remain there, it was pretty much a tie or a draw. They really didn't win because, yeah, they were there, but they never once put up, they never again put up their flagpole. Now, you might think that's silly, but in our culture, don't we do the same thing? We fight over the silliest things at home and at work and at school, at church. There's no, so there's no peace on earth because we are so self-centered. We don't want to give up control and we think we're in control, but ultimately what the Bible tells us is that we're not in control, even when we think we're in control. If we're not controlled by the Spirit, we're controlled by sin. Christmas came because of a sin problem. Our relationship with God had been destroyed because of sin, and so Jesus came down to save us from sin. And he, and he brought two things. First of all, he brought us forgiveness so that we might be reconciled with our God. And secondly, he gave us the Holy Spirit so that we could then be changed to be more like him. And so this year for Christmas, I'm, I'm wanting you to understand that in order to have peace, you, you need to first see that you have a reconciliation with your God, but secondly, that your life has changed to be more like Jesus. If, that, if those two things don't happen, then you will never know God's intended peace on earth, that message that the angels brought to the shepherds. First step is to make peace with God. There will be no peace on earth without first making peace with God, because that's where all other peace comes from. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 says, In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself and not counting our sins against us. In other words, through Jesus at his birth, God was making peace with us and drawing us close to him. The second step then is to allow God's spirit to come and fill us so much with his peace that it overflows into other people's lives. And that comes when we're willing to surrender ourselves to him, to submit to him. That's, that's why James 4, 7 says, submit yourself therefore to God. That's, that's the key to finding peace. And it's not just a one and done deal. It's a daily moment by moment decision to trust God, to rely on his power and his spirit to let us, to, to let us live in peace with other people. And it's when we surrender to God that God will be able to overflow us with peace so that it will flow into us and through us to other people. You see, what did the shepherds do after they found Jesus? They ran into the city and told everybody. They shared the message of peace with other people. They were ambassadors. And, and Paul calls you and I ambassadors in Second Corinthians chapter 5. He says, we are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And, and the reason he says that we serve as ambassadors is simple. The, the love of Christ the love of Christmas compels us to tell uh, other people about that peace, to live that out. Second Corinthians five fourteen through 15, the love of Christ compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. See, Christ followers have a different motivation than anybody else in this world. Christ followers are motivated to live differently because 
of Christ's love, this astounding love that he showed. Because, folks, we were spiritually dead. We were born into spiritual death. But because of Christmas, we've been raised to walk in a newness of life. We've been resurrected with Jesus to walk in a new way that's not consistent with our old ways. I heard this motto one time. I don't live there anymore. I live here. I mean, it's that kind of mentality of a spatial change. I used to live over there. I don't live there anymore. I live here. That's the way I used to live. But now, because I'm compelled by Christ's love, because I'm controlled by his spirit, Christmas is a reminder that I've been changed. I now am compelled and controlled by and motivated by love. And so, therefore, I'm going to be seeking peace in my life. I'm a new creation. Christmas reminds us that God reached out from heaven to fix what was broken. Therefore, I am called to reach out to other people in my life so that God can fix what is broken in those relationships. But So how can that be done? I'm going to give you three very practical things today, and then we're done. Well, when you have a relationship that's suffered from so much strain for years and years and years, how can you ever find healing? Well, first you can begin that process of healing and reconciliation by praying for those with whom you are in conflict. Jesus said to us in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, You have heard it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. See, it doesn't take too long to discover that you can't hate somebody that you're constantly bringing before the Lord in prayer. God begins to change you and the way that you view that relationship when you begin to pray for them. But in a conflict, it takes two to tango, right? So if you begin to pray for somebody, God begins to change you and your heart towards that person. But secondly, you can, you can continue that process of reconciliation by serving those with whom you're in conflict. Now, this will change them. Prayer will change you. Serving will change them and you, actually. Romans 12, 20. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, perhaps you have misunderstood what burning coals are all about there in that passage. I used to think, ha, yeah, I'm going to be nice to those who are not nice to me so that they will burn with regret. Now, if you look at the Bible, you'll see that burning coal had a very specific purpose. Burning coal always seemed to be connected to purifying somebody. For example, Isaiah, the prophet from the Old Testament, when he came into the throne room and saw God's glory, he fell down on his face and said, Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. And then one of the angels around the throne um, flew down to the, the altar there, picked up a live coal, a burning coal, and touched it to Isaiah's lips. And God says, therefore, now your lips have been purified. See, burning coal purifies. So when we are able to serve other people, especially our enemies, those that we're in conflict with, God can use those acts as burning coals, as ways of purifying the other person. God can change their heart. And that goes far to mend a broken relationship when both you and the other person begin to change. Finally, you can let your right to revenge go by forgiving the other person with whom you're in conflict. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I, I said that the disciples have been called to give up our rights. I realize it's a hard thing to do. It takes discipline, what disciples are called to do, by the way. You, you know, the best way I can illustrate this was a, a story several years ago in our country back east where there was a gunman who went into an Amish school and he had dismissed all the boys and then he began to shoot the girls. Ten girls were shot. Five of them were shot dead. 
When the police finally burst in, the gunman, a man named Charlie Roberts, turned the gun on himself and pulled the trigger. And then the whole nation turned their eyes on this community. They wanted to know. The Amish, you are known for your simplicity, for your slow pace of life, for your service to others. What about your peace? What are you going to do in this situation? Well, first of all, on the day of the killing, the Amish neighbors went to actually visit the family of Charlie Roberts. It was a difficult day for not just the community, but for Charlie Roberts' family as well. And, and as the Amish people entered into the home of that family, someone described the scene as if grace had walked into their home. And it was an effect, essentially, of saying, we will forgive Charlie. Three days later, the funerals of these little girls began, and the world learned what forgiveness was all about. One Amish woman said to me, when I think of forgiving Charlie, it doesn't mean that you have forgotten what he's done, but it means that you have released into God's hands the one who has offended you, and you give up your right to seek revenge. There was a documentary about this event several years ago, and on that program, they were interviewing uh, people who knew the Amish. Um, one historian named Stephen Nolt, was, uh, he's an expert on the Amish people, been studying them all of his life, and they asked him, how could this happen? How can they forgive uh, when, when this horrible thing has happened to their family? And he says, listen, forgiveness, forgiveness requires giving something up, giving up your right to revenge. There it is again. Giving up feelings of bitterness, For the Amish, that means that it is in keeping with so many other aspects of their life because of all of Amish life is structured around giving up of their rights, of self-surrender. That's what their life is is structured around. So I think for many of us, Steve uh, Nolt says, Stephen Nolt says, I think for many of us, forgiveness is a hard thing because we think it's unnatural, because it's not like anything else that we do. We are trained to never give up anything. But for the Amish, who have made a life out of giving up things, Forgiveness might be hard, but it's not unnatural. From Scripture, Philippians chapter 2, Paul says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And here's the kicker. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And that death was the thing that brought us peace brought us forgiveness. In God's kingdom, folks, if we're going to be following him, relationships are regarded so much higher than rights. Jesus modeled a lifestyle of giving up rights in order to bring healing to relationships. There is a blessing when we are reconciled and enjoy peace with those that we've been in conflict with. That's what the message was all about when the angels came down to proclaim their message to the shepherds. God's design was for there to be peace on earth. Peace between himself and his creation, peace between mankind, and peace in the heart of every man as they seek to be content, as they seek to put others first, and as they seek to be ambassadors of God's love. And in so doing, they are seeking to be people of peace. You know, General MacArthur one time says, a truce just says you don't shoot for a while. Peace comes when the truth is known and the issue is settled and the parties embrace each other. See, so I'm not just talking about a, a truce that lasts during the Christmas year. This is, this is something that you work on so that by next year you don't have these kinds of conflicts, at least not with the people that you have now. Maybe you're one of the many, many, many people who are experiencing strained relationships this year. For the Christian, 
more than for anybody else, Christmas must be a time of reconciliation and peace because that was the purpose of the first Christmas, to bring peace between you and God, to make you right with him, and then to bring peace in all of our relationships. So where do you need to experience peace? Maybe you need to find peace with God. Ask Jesus to be your savior, to draw you close to God. Maybe you need to experience the peace of God and surrender your heart fully to him and quit all of the life of anxiety that you've been living. Maybe you need to offer peace to other people and become a peacemaker in your marriage or with your family. Maybe you need to work on reconciliation at your job. Wherever you are today, the angels remind us that the purpose of Christmas is peace. Peace in our hearts. Peace in our relationships, and yes, peace on earth. Think it's impossible? Well, remember what Gabriel told Mary. With God, nothing is impossible. All right, well, that will do it for this Advent season. Uh, Next week, I'm going to be talking a little bit about uh, our testimonies. And then in a couple weeks, Pastor Scott is going to be talking uh, about uh, what we can expect in the new year. I want to thank uh, all the people that make this podcast possible for Lisa Welly and for uh, uh, Steve Pittman and for uh, you uh, tuning in. It's a, it's a wonderful thing to do that. If you're ever in the Central Oregon area, uh, you are welcome to visit Palm View Christian Church on uh, weekend services. We have a 7 o'clock uh, Cowboy Church on Saturday night, and then we have an 8.30 and a 10.30 service here in our worship uh, center, and then we have a uh, 11.30 service of traditional music um, in our historic chapel. All right, God bless you, and may you have a great Christmas.